Okay, Clark. So before you start the episode, I just want to give out our new phone number that we have. It's not for consumer questions, but we want to do a special episode where we hear your best travel stories. So if you got the best travel deal you've ever gotten or something crazy that happened. So for me, one time I was traveling with my friend's family. We were going to Vermont to ski. And this is back before the internet. They had rented a house and the instructions to get in the house were incorrect. We ended up having to like shove one guy who was with us, this teenager up on a balcony to break in through the upstairs sliding doors that were open. So we got in the house, we unpacked all of our stuff. It was awesome. We're getting ready to go out and ski. And my friend's dad all of a sudden goes as white as a sheet. Because the wrong house. he realized we were at the wrong oh, house. You were going to say you had broken into somebody's We'd house. broken into someone's house. He's like, wait a minute, there wasn't supposed to be twin beds and there all this stuff. So we were in somebody's house. So he was screaming, everybody get out of the house, like pack up your stuff. And he made uh, the teenager go up and jump off the balcony, close the door that way to get out. So we wouldn't leave the front door unlocked. Anyway, it was so crazy, but it was, it's such a fun story. Like I'll always the remember Vermont that. The Vermont State Police would like to have a word with you, Krista. Yeah, yeah, all week we'd drive by that house and we saw people were home, but they never, we don't know if they ever right. figured it out. So you may remember, if you're a longtime listener, how controversial it was with people about when my bag weighed too much, when I checked in my carry-on, because they weigh your carry-on at Ryanair, and it was July, and it was hot, and I went in the, the bathroom, and I put on two pair of pants, three shirts, and a pullover, <laughs> and my suitcase came in at 9.9 kilos, had to be less than 10 kilos, 22 pounds, and then I didn't have to pay the bag fee. And people were annoyed with me, feeling that, that I should have just paid the bag fee. But whatever your travel story is, we'd love to hear it, funny, weird, whatever. All you do is call 404 981 2071. Just give us your first name. That's all we need. First name only and leave your travel story. And uh, hopefully you'll get to hear it right Right here here with us. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. As you know, this is not a political show, but I am going to talk about the budget deficit today because money is green and my love for America is red, white, and blue. Later, Amazon just settled a lawsuit over spying through their Amazon branded and sold cameras and ring devices and all the rest. And there's something about this I want to make sure you are solidly tuned into about cameras you might buy from anyone that you're putting in your home. So we went through this drama about raising the debt limit recently. Both parties were patting themselves on the back for coming up with a two-year deal on raising the debt limit. That was good because the default would have been brutal for the United States. A lot of people who are into the whole political thing don't understand how harmful that would have been. But it didn't happen. But what is going on that was not addressed 
and everybody in Washington seems to be ignoring is our continued deficit spending. The national debt is now at $31 trillion. It's so large that it's hard for us to even get any sense of it, and we either feel like it's something we should ignore, or it's so large we're just overwhelmed, and we move away from it. And that's a terrible idea. And what made me think to talk about this is a gentleman stopped me when I was out walking our dogs. He was showing me on his phone, he has the app for the national debt clock, and it shows the deficit going up. He says, what are we going to do about this? And let's talk about the problem. The problem is we're spending money like crazy. And odds are, if we don't address it, the problem doesn't get better with time. So our deficit now, $31 trillion, and likely to be $50 trillion seven years from now. That means that we weaken our country so many ways versus our adversaries. We crowd money out of the economy that should be in the productive sectors of the economy. And we're just not being adults about this. So where is the problem? The problem is with me. I'm the problem. Why am I the problem? Because I'm older. And what's happened is we're an aging society. And so we have so many people who are receiving benefits from Social Security and Medicare, that that's where the problem is. We used to be a much younger society. And we're not the only ones in the world having this aging thing. But people don't have kids in the numbers they used to. And so it's just like this demographic time bomb that we have more and more people getting older and fewer and fewer young people coming up who are going to work paying the taxes to support people that are older. It's that simple. So that's the problem. How do you fix it? So the problem is all, all Social Security and Medicare. It's nothing else. That's where the problem is. It's not waste, fraud, and abuse. It's not spending on social programs. It's not spending on the military It's none of those things. It's all Social Security and Medicare. So when people are asked about how they would fix Social Security, which is the one most of the talk is about, although Medicare has issues that likely are bigger, there's pretty much consensus across the country when the issues are presented what people would want to have happen. Generally, they understand there would have to be a delay in benefits based on age as one possibility. Another is higher taxes, yuck, or a combination of those things. And then the third thing that most Americans are in favor of, regardless of where they are on the political spectrum, is to tax higher income people more and reduce the benefits for Social Security to higher income people. So people think that the wealthy 
can really solve this for the rest of us. But the reality is all of us have to be involved in balancing Social Security. And the sooner we do it, the easier it is. And it's not that hard making changes now that would put Social Security in a good position for not just the next few years, the rest of this century. But the politicians just have to grow up and be willing to tell us we have to have something terrible like Brussels sprouts or broccoli instead of just handing out ice cream and cookies and candy. I mean, the truth is problems like this are solvable if we all have adult conversations. I want to tell you how it was fixed two generations ago. The Republicans and the Democrats couldn't do it among the elected officials. So they appointed a commission that would take all the heat and recommended the changes needed to balance the books. And they did so, and it's worked for the last 40-some-odd years. And if we need to do that today, fine. Appoint citizens that are willing to be on one of these commissions and say the things that we know need to happen, but the politicians lack the courage and guts to do, and we fix this thing. It is not fair or right to keep kicking this can down the road. There are things other countries have done, I'm not even going to get into now, where they've changed the whole way their retirement systems work for health care and for a Social Security kind of check. That is a conversation that gets really deep, philosophical, a lot of different choices we'd have to make. I'm not getting into that because that could go on. That's a rabbit hole I could be in for the next two hours. But the point is, what we're doing now is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And we can fix these things. We just have to have some basic courage and maturity as a society to fix the problems that are leading to this ridiculous, insanely stupid deficit spending we're doing as a country. So how did I do talking about this in a way that was nonpartisan? I think you did a great job, but you did get a song in my head when you were saying, it's me, I'm the problem. There's a Taylor Swift song that goes, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Okay, See, we'll go so to questions. I, I'm channeling my best <laughs> Taylor Swift. Swifty. Yes, I'm you a are. Swifty now. You're a Swifty. Okay, Craig wow. in North Carolina says, thanks for all you and your team do. I left my last employer over two years ago, and they still have my outgoing message on my former office phone. You must be <laughs> an employee that they love so much that they just want to keep hearing your voice. With AI-generated voice oh. cloning in the news, should I be concerned about someone capturing my voice and doing something nefarious with it? Can I make my former employer remove my old outgoing message? You can't make your old employer remove the message. I don't know why they would still have it. Sounds like just laziness or incompetence. The AI thing, yes, it's true. We've talked about that. Someone could take audio from me, even video mm -hmm. of me, and make me say anything they want. And there's a lot of audio of me out there. This is a reality today where we're going to see it first 
is propaganda and the whole political thing where people will have opponents saying things they didn't really say, being in situations they really weren't in. And so AI will have a use there. Government-based propaganda, it'll obviously happen in totalitarian societies, authoritarian societies. For you and me as individuals, if you're not a public figure, at this moment, I wouldn't worry that much about it. Eventually, there may be concerns with voice pattern recognition, like a lot of the financial firms use, where someone would impersonate your voice and get through a verification system with a financial institution. That may be a present problem we could see in the next year or two. But for the most part, I'd say most of us don't need to fret that much right now. Alareza in Georgia says, during your podcast about life insurance, you mentioned do not get life insurance through your employer, but you did not mention why. Is this a universal rule that applies to all employer-offered life insurance policies? I have insurance through my employer and would like to know if there are areas I need to look at before dropping it. Okay, so employer-provided life insurance, it's a common employer benefit, is a term benefit that is an annual renewable, meaning that the premium goes up every year, and often the premiums are higher than what you can buy insurance for yourself in the marketplace. Now, employer-provided life insurance comes generally in uh, two levels. One is where you get it either free or very cheap from your employer up to a certain amount with no health screening at all. Particularly if it's free, you just take it. But the second you leave the employer, that insurance generally is over. And that's why I like for you to have your own insurance anyway. But the other thing is when you buy additional coverage through your employer, you're not buying a level term policy. You're buying, again, what's known as annual renewable term. So every year the premiums rise with your age. And so it will get to a point where uh, your mortality risk goes up a little every year. So the premiums go up. Ultimately, that insurance would become completely unaffordable, and it may not be portable. So having your own life insurance policy that you own that is a level premium for a 20- or 30-year term, which is most often the choice people are making, although it can be shorter, typically no longer than 30 years, is a wiser choice for the long haul, particularly how most of us change jobs regularly You don't want to be dependent on life insurance that comes through your employer. With the exception being if you have a condition that makes you uninsurable by traditional life insurance policies. Exactly. Okay. ML says, I know you're a fan of Schwab, and I want to know what you think of the Schwab starter kit. They are currently running a promotion of $101 invested in the top five S&P stocks upon opening an account. Is this worth pursuing? Yeah, I love this. Both Schwab and Fidelity. This is Schwab's answer to Fidelity Zero Funds. They're saying, not only are we going to have something for you that's free, we're giving it to you. And they give you this as uh, their current promotion to try to attract new accounts. It's extremely cheap advertising because it created buzz in the marketplace. And if you like the product Schwab has, 
I wouldn't do it if you don't really like Schwab and you think, oh, well, I'm going to get $100 of stock free. I would like it for you if you like what Schwab offers and you want to use Schwab beyond this $101 of free stock. So I love competition and I love what's going on with my three favorite children. They are squabbling siblings at Schwab, Vanguard, and Fidelity. They are becoming, the three of them, among the world's largest financial houses. Why? Because the offers they make are so vastly superior to what's normally available in the investment marketplace. And they're your three favorite non-biological children. I didn't birth these three. <laughs> uh, no, like, I, I don't want your kids getting mad. I did not birth. Yo, that's true. That's true. It is a figurative <laughs> statement that they are my three favorite children because my actual biological children, thank you. You're worried about sensitivity with my kids? I love all your kids, so I just wanted to sh- give them a shout out. Okay. So coming up ahead, uh, shout out in not a good way about Amazon, but this really isn't about Amazon and your privacy. It's about your privacy in a modern digital era. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Amazon is of such size, they've got an absolute target on them. This time, it's actually something that's deserved and you need to be aware of. Amazon has had to pay fines and settle lawsuits, invasions of privacy. One, Alexa, keeping recordings of children's conversations in your house. Not kidding. And not when a kid is doing an inquiry. Amazon listening in on Alexa. Second thing is what's going on with the cameras. Amazon employees watching what's on your various Amazon. Amazon owns a bunch of brands of cameras. And Amazon employees watching without your consent. Just for fun, apparently. Watching what's going on with your cameras. There are federal laws about this, but Amazon was violating them. The fines are ridiculously small, just tens of millions of dollars. And I want you to know to be really thoughtful about whether or not you have a Google device, you know, um, you know, where you say, hey, Google, or, oh, I just said I'm not supposed to do it. I know. Did your phone go off? I don't know. My f- <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. There it is. I got a response from Alexa. 
and a response. Oh, that's so funny. Okay. Sorry if I just made your speaker from Amazon or Google just start talking. Please forgive me for that. How many times have I been admonished for that? And I just completely botched that. Anyway, as I've said before, don't have one of these devices in your bedroom, uh, maybe your bathroom. I mean, having them in the kitchen or family room or something like that is probably fine. But be thoughtful about this. The cameras, cameras that look outside, that are outside cameras for security purposes, that's fine. When you have cameras inside that are always watching, always listening, you never know who might be seeing that stuff. It could be a hacker, but more often it's going to be a company like Amazon violating the law and employees are looking. And maybe Amazon didn't want employees looking, but the capability was there and they were. And so these cameras are us inviting spies into our lives, into our homes. And so having them that protect the security of your home is fine. Even having, dare I say, a hallway camera at an entrance to your home, that's probably okay. If you're worried, you know, if your alarm goes off and you're out of town and you want to see so somebody walking around in your home, but you'll probably find what you need to know with external cameras anyway. If there's some sketchy van in your driveway or whatever and your alarm's gone off, you probably have enough information. And remember, in a lot of jurisdictions, the police aren't going to come anymore unless you have that visual verification. So I know these cameras are really cheap. Like I got all excited a few weeks ago on the podcast talking about how cheap some of these WISE cams are, W-Y-Z-E cams. They're like 20 bucks or so, and they work really well. But do you want them in your bedroom, in your family quarters of your home? What kind of cameras do you have? I know you've got the Ring doorbell. Yeah, we have the whole Google Nest system in our house, but not we don't have the internal cameras. So you have a ring doorbell from Amazon, but then you've got the Nest stuff. Actually, yeah. I think it's a ring. It might be a Google doorbell. Okay. <laughs> I have the, we have the whole Nest security system, though. But again, no cameras no. looking inside. We have two cameras that look outside. Outside's fine. Mm-hmm. Inside, not so cool. No. All right. Well, speaking of Amazon, Bobby in Washington says, I buy a lot from Amazon. I'm thinking about getting their reward card, which offers 5% back on purchases from Amazon.com. I know most items sold on Amazon are sold through the marketplace. What I've been unable to find out is do purchases made from the marketplace qualify for the 5%? As of now, yes, they do. Amazon could always change that. But Amazon doesn't want you as an Amazon customer to be aware that 70% of merchandise being sold there or more is not being sold by Amazon itself. And it's part of their whole business plan. So I doubt they would differentiate and they don't as of now, you get the straight 5% cash back. And if you're a big Amazon customer, having the Amazon card is a great idea, just like for target customers having a red card account that also gets you 5% off is a great idea. 
TB in New York says, I was flying Delta back home to Buffalo from JFK and I had a first class seat. The overhead bins were locked in my vicinity, so I asked the flight attendant if she could store it somewhere on the aircraft for me. She initially said she could, but then told me I needed to gate check it. Upon landing, only one of my two carry-ons made it home. Bag that didn't make it had my car and house keys in it, and oh, I no. parked my car at the airport, and I live alone. Ugh. Thankfully, I have my wallet on the back of my phone, so I was able to get a hotel for the night. The next day, I find through the app chat that my lost bag is in another city, Toronto, and they told me I had to drive to there to retrieve it, and I did. Wait, wait, had to drive to Toronto <laughs> to get his own bag? Yes. Wow, being a first-class passenger... Is really such a great benefit, huh? I've submitted a claim, but they do not want to reimburse me for the hotel, rental car, meals, and gas. They have offered me a $300 voucher and 10,000 sky miles. I don't (laughs) feel this is adequate for the inconvenience cost. Uh, 10,000 sky miles wouldn't even get you one mile on Delta these days. Okay, so you should, on social media, start talking this up. Some of the airlines no longer pay any attention to reputational harm on social media. Delta seems to still do that. I mean, you told a very short story. Keep it short on social media. File a complaint with the U.S. Department of Transportation um, as well. And this is a good lesson for other people that you should always have something small that you can take out any valuables, medicines, any electronics, gosh, your keys, you did have your wallet, that's great, but what a what a terrible set of circumstances, and it was really hard-hearted and ridiculous of Delta to say that you had to drive to Canada to pick up your own lost bag from them. I mean, man. I'm surprised because we have not heard a lot of complaints. Like they've been getting really great reviews and rankings as an airline. Yeah, Delta's been doing much better. Uh, there have been some stories recently, though. Airlines are so overwhelmed right now. Some stories recently that are so ridiculously egregious and how airlines of all price points have been treating passengers of all classes of service. And so this is this is just ridiculous. and. I hope that you do, in fact, TB, that you, in filing that complaint at DOT.gov, that Delta will have to answer that in 30 days. And I suspect that you will get something better than just the ridiculous $300 voucher and 10,000 sky miles. I mean, uh, that's just obviously (laughs) not acceptable. Greg in California says, I don't have a question, just a fun story. We just had our estate documents updated since it's been a long time and our kids are no longer kids. To make it as easy as possible, I created a one-page cheat sheet for them to instruct them on exactly how to get started, where financial files are, login info, tell them we love them, etc. One of the instructions is how to choose a professional trustee, and I think you'll like this. I wrote in the document for all to see for hopefully decades to come, never, 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 not ever use a bank. And my dad said, I never listened in school. I only listened to smart people on podcasts, I guess. So, uh, you know, you hear me, (laughs) I talk a lot of smack about the banks, right? The reason for this one is banks that offer trust services will really degrade the value of an estate. 
the fees that banks charge for trust services are so outrageous that the money that will be left for your heirs, for the, who the trusts are set up for, is so hurt that it, it just is shockingly bad. Uh, generally, it is a bad choice and would be one that you do in a circumstance where there's not a trusted family member who could be named as trustee of an estate. So if you have a situation where you have uh, no one with the maturity that you feel would be responsible and handle things properly, then in that case, even as crummy a choice as a bank trustee would be, then you use the bank trustee. So it's really a choice in a situation. People are flawed. And if you have family members who you're just not that confident in, that would be the case you use a bank-based trustee uh, trust department. It's called a bank trust department. But way to go, Greg, creating that document for your kids and doing all that. That's a great lesson for us all. And most people don't. I keep hearing from people who, you know, hear from a friend who's like, they have dumped in their laps dealing with um, the loss of a loved one could be a parent. Mm -hmm. And there's no instructions at all, no record of, of accounts or anything like that. And one thing we know is certain, none of us are immortal. And someday, we're not going to be with us. And so that's why you should do exactly what you just heard from Greg and have these lists prepared for your kids or heirs or executors, whatever it is, so they know what you got and where it is. So good for you. I think you were paying attention in class because you did exactly what's right to do for those you leave behind. Good job. I want to thank you so much for being with us today and know that we serve you around the clock at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. And if you would like one-on-one advice, information, or guidance, that's been a free service we've offered since February 1st of 1993, where you can get one-on-one free advice and information from our Team Clark Consumer Action Center, available to you 30 hours each week. You can see full details at clark.com slash CAC, or you can just call them Monday to Friday, Eastern Time Zone, 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon at 636 Four nine Clark. Have a great day.